Hey, hey, fire starters, you're listening to episode 221 of the Females on Fire podcast with our guest, Carrie Cohen. Now, Carrie is a good friend of mine that I was actually in a mastermind with. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today to share what I think is a really cool perspective. So Carrie has been a practicing psychotherapist for the last 24 years, now helping couples that are navigating infertility. She's also a certified clinical hypnotherapist, a rapid transformational therapy practitioner, an integrative health coach, and a certified nutrition coach. So needless to say, Carrie is the therapist that does all the things. And she was actually a speaker at one of our more recent uh, females on fire virtual summits talking about the invisible factors of success. So in today's episode, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into some parts of that and talk about limiting beliefs, how to work through those, how to overcome them. But we're also going to get into relationships. We're going to talk about how you can manage and balance your relationships with entrepreneurship and, and balance those relationships while you're really growing a successful business without all the burnout, but also while showing up the way you want to show up in those relationships, whether it's with a partner, a spouse, your sibling, your parent, your child, your friends, your employees, whoever it is, we're going to talk about those relationships today and what it looks like to really successfully and efficiently manage those. So if you've been feeling a little bit isolated, you feel like your friendships aren't that strong, your relationship with your spouse is suffering while you're building your business, any of those things, this episode is for you. And I'm really excited for you to get some incredible insight from Carrie. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Hey there, gorgeous, and welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, the place to be if you're an audacious, dreaming woman ready to ignite your influence, burn your limitations, and spark your success. I'm your host, motivational speaker, marketing coach, and Dr. Pepper lover, Haley Luckadoo, and together with the most incredible women I can find, we're going to bring you the best business and personal growth advice to help you create a profitable biz and step into the highest version of yourself. So welcome to the club Firestarter. Now let's start turning that spark of an idea into a wildfire of success. Are you ready for a revolution? It's time to shake up the industry a little and girlfriend, you're going to want to be a part of this. The females on fire conference is headed to Dallas, Texas, August 7th and 8th of 2024. And it is a conference like no other. We are so tired of stuffy business conferences or motivational speakers that don't give you any actual depth. So we're bringing together over a thousand women, a fire speaker lineup, and some fun twists and surprises for two action-packed days that will change your life and your business. It's time to ditch the drama and the struggle, get aligned and profitable and unleash the audacious dreamer and impactful doer inside of you. And with tickets that start at only $97, we're making sure that you can get yourself in the room. So save your seat at the revolution by heading to femalesonfireconference.com and get ready for two days of business, personal, and community growth like you've never seen it done before.
Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks, Haley. I'm very excited to be here with you today. I am excited to have you. I know we had you speak at one of our Females on Fire summits recently, and you were very popular. Everybody loved your session. So I'm excited that we get to have you on the show now too, to talk about a little deeper dive into some of the things you talked about at the summit, but some different things too, and, and just help all of our lovely ladies in the audience with their, their personal development and really growing as an entrepreneur. Uh, but before we get into all of that goodness, can you tell everybody just a little bit about you, who you are and what it's looked like for you to get here today? Yeah. So I started, so I started as an entrepreneur in 2002, um, before I was married and, um, I opened up a private psychotherapy practice at that time, coming from working with uh, different agencies and decided that I was going to go into business for myself. So I started that in 02 and, uh, and it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of energy and effort to really get that going because it, you know, back then it was brick and mortar. We weren't using social media. And so I spent several years doing that in 04, I got married. And so then I was sort of navigating the just the balance between putting the effort into growing my business and also nurturing a new marriage. Um, and then I had a baby in 2009 and then everything that I had sort of calibrated for how my life was pre 09, I had to sort of recalibrate because then I was balancing a marriage, a new baby, my social life, which was fairly non-existent at that time, and also my <laughs> business. And so, uh, so there was a lot, there was a lot of uh, balls in the air, I would say at that time. Um, and, you know, just lots of ups and downs in, uh, in marriage, in business and uh, post, uh, well, sort of a, a just, just post COVID, post March, 2020, I started thinking about other ways, other business models, actually. And so because a, you know, a one-on-one psychotherapy practice is very, very taxing. So, you know, you're just seeing clients back to back all day, every day. And while I enjoyed that, it just wasn't sustainable for me. And so I got really burnt out for, I was probably burnt out for at least three years before I decided to think about what I was going to do next. And COVID sort of gave me that chance to slow down and really start thinking about what I wanted to do. And I, that was around when I started pivoting my business online and becoming a more um, holistic practitioner, which is generally not the way conventional psychotherapy is practiced. So um, I'm able to really work with my clients on all sorts of issues in many different ways, incorporating my other skills of lifestyle uh, nutrition, diet, things like that. And so, so it's been quite a journey, I would say over the last 20 plus years for me. I love that. I love that you have kind of all these different like evolutions of it. Cause I think, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show, because I think everybody kind of has that in some sense of just like, you get into entrepreneurship and you start doing what you're doing and you're like, I'm good at it. It's working. I'm figuring it out. But then something eventually comes along, whether it's like, you change your mind about something or something happens like, you know, COVID or something like that or whatever. Um, or you get married, you have a baby, whatever it is, and things have to shift and they have to pivot a little bit. And so I think it's really cool to hear entrepreneurs talk about those like evolutions and like Mm -hmm. how it looks so different now than it looked four years ago. And then it looked 10 years ago. And 
it's just cool when you, when you have that sort of ebb and flow to talk about it, I think it just adds to the story of what you're doing, right? Very much so. And I think that the, those pivots, if they're really big ones, oftentimes people have some work, some identity work to do where, you know, you sort of identify so strongly with whatever it is your career was, whether it was that you worked in corporate or uh, you worked traditionally as a lawyer and now you're wanting to do something different. And both of which of those professions, there's high burnout rate for women, especially. And so I think that when women are approaching a pivot like that, and same for me, just moving away from a traditional psychotherapy, which is just a very prescribed way of operating professionally, that it was really hard to bring myself to the place where I felt like I could, I really needed to basically give myself permission to make that change from something that I was doing for 20 years, basically. Yeah. Let's talk about that for just a second. Cause I find that so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've heard you talk a little bit about limiting beliefs before, mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's something that we all very much can identify with because even if the belief is different, even if the way you go about it is different, we all have some kind of limiting belief about ourselves. So what was it like for you? What is the process that, that you went through, that you take your clients through when a limiting belief is coming up like that, how do you decide to push forward anyway? How do you decide to keep going? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So, so if we use my example, um, then for me, it, I really needed to, so, you know, oftentimes when we have limiting beliefs, we don't know we have them we're bumping up against them and, but, but they, they are embedded in how we operate and how we see the world. So we don't really realize they're a limiting belief until we start bumping up against a a hard boundary. And so for me, it was the inability to think outside of the box of how else I could use my skills. Cause I wasn't certainly going to just change careers altogether. I had spent two decades training and, and having experience. So for me, it was, I could not think outside the box and It wasn't until I, so then, so we have to then get it on our radar. Like, okay, so why do I feel stuck? And then really starting to explore why we feel stuck. And I started really just doing some deep dive into myself. I mean, as a therapist, I was in therapy, but I was doing a lot of my own self-work, really just trying to figure out, okay, so, so why did I feel stuck? What else did I want to do? And I really had to think about, okay, just let the sky be the limit, regardless of whether or not you're going to actually pursue that. Just think about what else is possible. And then I got exposed to uh, an online group. It was a fitness and nutrition group. So not, not my area of expertise. I did it for personal development. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is, this is what I want to do. Like I, So then I got exposed to something that was possible because- Prior to that, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I didn't know what was possible until I got exposed to something. And then I would say that's where the creative process comes in internally, where we start to use our own internal creativity to begin to think about like, wow, if she's doing this for fitness, how can I do that in personal development? Mm -hmm. And so, so then as I got exposed to that, I was like, okay, the next piece of work though, for me was really starting to break down my limiting beliefs of uh, the next layer of limiting beliefs, which is uh, you're a therapist. You can't do that. Therapists don't use social media. Therapists don't work online. So many limiting beliefs actually that were 
some of which were embedded in me because of my training and some of which were just my own personal, like once a therapist, always a therapist. Right. And so for me, I then took myself through a series of questions uh, about my, my values, what's meaningful to me, where do I want to see myself in five, 10, 20 years? I'm 49 right now. So I was 46 when I was going through this very deliberately, I was going through this. And so 46, where do I want to see myself in 20 years? That would be 66. And is what I'm doing now going to set me up for that? And for me, that last question was the million dollar question, because the answer to that was no on what I was doing. And once I came face to face with that realization, which of course is really not easy, it can be quite painful. I thought, all right, I really have to do something. So then I had to start really deconstructing my very rigid identity as a therapist in one-on-one private practice. And it frankly required some separation from some old groups that I was a part of, some separation from um, some of the traditional, more rigid training programs I was in, and really being able to tap into a network of online practitioners and coaches who just operate more fluidly and flexibly. And so it was really quite an evolutionary process, I would say, but a lot, it was very challenging. Like the easier thing to do on the surface would have been to just continue doing what I was doing and ride it out. But it it would have been so, you know, not satisfying for me. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned that about asking yourself the, the really tough questions in the end of like, where will I be in 20 years if I continue doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I talk a lot about is just when people are asking the like, what ifs, right. And it's like, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And rarely do people turn it the other way and they go, okay, but what if I don't do the thing? Or what if I don't take this chance and really seeing how you answer that question. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that. Cause I think that's a really important piece of it that we tend to often like overlook, but I also love that you were just talking about like kind of digging into like different areas and exposing yourself to a lot of different things, because I think we get into entrepreneurship and we get very focused on this one industry or this one group of people, or this set of mentors that say to do it this way. Right. And we, we kind of almost end up following like this invisible manual that we feel like we've been given by the, the top people in our industry or whatever. And it's like, no, if you can expose yourself to all of these different industries, to all of these different groups of people, to people that think very, very differently than you that run their businesses very, very differently than you run it. That's only to your benefit, right? Because the way that it opens up your creative process alone is just wild. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I don't think people think a lot about that when they're dealing with their limiting beliefs, right? Like they're just thinking like, oh, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think I can do this and not recognizing and realizing that if you just like open yourself up to different possibilities that like may not even, like you said, you may not even pursue this, right? Like, but Mm -hmm. just exposing yourself to that, it really opens up kind of a world of opportunity for you. Certainly. And that's one way to begin to get access to what might be a limiting belief, because again, we don't know it. A limiting belief before it's really conscious as a limiting belief, it's a 
it's, it's sort of a worldview about whatever the topic is that we're holding it. So it, it feels real. And until we start to get exposure to the way other people are working, what other people are doing, and then we ask ourselves, well, and then we say, well, I can't do that. And then when we ask ourselves, well, why can't I do that? That is really a way, it's such a simple question, but but it is really a way to start to dismantle the limiting belief. And so when I ask myself, well, why can't I do that? Well, and I couldn't really come up, well, therapists don't do that. That, you know, it was all very generic, rigid, prescribed formats of how I thought about therapists. But like, gosh, there's a lot of different ways to operate in this world. And so I do think that, you know, when we can deconstruct those beliefs, we do allow the evolutions to, even in our merit, our relationships, you know, like when we're going through entrepreneurship, that if we can really allow ourselves to deconstruct something, that it doesn't have to look this one way. Um, because, you know, navigating entrepreneurship and navigating a marriage, and if you're a mom also, like, those are the three major categories of your life and really allowing the flexibility to have different evolutionary processes come to fruition, I think is the way to sort of grow personally and professionally. Absolutely. Let's, let's kind of veer into that realm for a second, because I know this is your area of expertise is, is relationships, specifically marriages and, and dealing with all of the things that come along with that. Um, but you mentioned earlier when you were kind of telling your story that at one point you just had like basically a non-existent social life and you were balancing a marriage, you were balancing a new baby and you're trying to run this really successful business. And I know I hear entrepreneurs all the time, whether they're single, they're married, their parents, they're not, doesn't matter. I have heard entrepreneurs from every walk of life talk about how lonely they feel and how they yeah. feel so isolated and they just feel like all of their relationships have crumbled, whether that's a marriage or their relationship with their kids or just their, their social lives in general and having friends both in and out of entrepreneurship. So can you kind of venture into that a little bit and talk about, you mentioned like deconstructing what that should look like. And so what does all of that look like in terms of balancing a really successful business and also still really maintaining those relationships without burning yourself out all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's another experience that I think can be a real, um, eye opener for entrepreneurs. And what I mean is that the deeper you get into your own entrepreneurial journey and growing your building, starting your business, growing your business, scaling your business, it's really very common to grow distant from your friends who are not also entrepreneurs. Let's say they either work for someone or they don't work at all. And, and over the years from, for a variety of different reasons, but that being one of them, I outgrew several of my friendships. And, and so you know, also I would say as a therapist, but here's how I would sort of liken that to entrepreneurship. So as a therapist, I'm obviously very interested in personal growth and development. Most entrepreneurs, regardless of what they do, are very interested in personal growth and development. Right. I would say the general population is not. Yep. And they, if the general population can go through life without having to do that work, which frankly is hard work and painful work, they would until something came on their radar that they were forced to deal with. So for many entrepreneurs who are really 
curious and they love to ask questions and they really like to have these deep discussions. It's very easy to start growing distant from your friendships that you've had for a long time who are not doing that. They're not having those conversations. And when you start to think about how much bandwidth you actually have for all areas of your life, it's really easy to start to let those uh, drop off. So that's sort of one dynamic that I see happening. And it happened for me. Um, I would say it didn't happen for me quite as much when I became a mom, although it does happen then. It happened for me more as I got deeper and deeper into, um, I would say probably when I started pivoting online, it started to happen more because I was managing it pretty well when I was doing um, brick and mortar psychotherapy. But when I started pivoting online, most people don't understand what you do online. Yes. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And so I think that it's really hard for people who aren't doing that to understand and be able like they they sort of don't know what to talk to you about. Yeah. And so if so what then you have to find other things in common. And I think that if it's a long-term friendship that's really meaningful to you that you will find those things in common. But otherwise, I think I think that, that being an entrepreneur comes with a lot of ancillary losses for people, loss of, you know, time. You don't have as much time to do other things and you know, I always use the analogy, like we have one pie. Okay. So we have one pie and however many slices we want to divide that up to, into, and they're not all equal, but we still only have one pie. So if three quarters of the pie is our business and then the other quarter is split between our relationship and our kid, there's nothing else left. Where's the social, like where's the play. And so we have to be really mindful about how we divide up that pie and allocate our time. And for me personally, um, I've never been like really good about playing. And so I have been very intentional and embarrassed to say only in the last six months, frankly, it should have been much longer than that. <laughs> but only in the last six months, I've been very intentional about um, my husband and I, my family, any one of us doing something playful on the weekend, something fun. And that. because it's really play uh helps to unlock our creative process and when we can unlock our creative process it has an impact on all of our relationships and also our entrepreneurship yes. so you know i do think that there's a lot there to balance for us for sure yeah and they're so connected right i i always hate hearing people talk about like oh my my business is so separate from my personal life and it's like when you really get deeper into entrepreneurship and you start trying to really grow, really scale, it's like you said, you do get very deep into personal development too, because you kind of don't have a choice mm -hmm. and it is very hard work. And you start to realize that you can try to keep them separate all you want, but if you're having a really rough weekend with your spouse, your family, your kids, if you and your best friend got in a fight, right, it's going to pour over into your business come Monday. Right. And, and vice versa, if something's going really wrong in your business or your business is taking up all of your time, right. It's going to pour into your personal life too, and your relationships specifically. So it is somewhat a balancing act because it's just too difficult to keep them separate. So I, I love your analogy of the pie. Cause it really makes you think in terms of your time and like, okay, you know, this is what I have and I can't create more of it. And I think we can create more space and systems in our business and we can create more, uh, like organization in our life and things like that, that are going to make us feel like we have more time, 
but we can't actually create more time. So I love that analogy because it kind of makes you get real with the fact that like, this is all I have to give. How am I giving it? How am I splitting it up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's about being really intentional with regards to uh, what our values are, what's important to um, our mental health and where we're going, you know, in the next six, 12, 18 months. And I think that when we can keep all of that at the forefront of our mind, then we can be intentional about our choices. Cause frankly, it's too easy to put all things on autopilot. And I think that to your point, if we can put systems on autopilot, then we can free up bandwidth for the more experiential aspects of actually living with like vitality, right? Because autopilot is, I mean, it's, it's a drag. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love the word vitality. I think that just really like sums up what you're trying to do with your, your business and your relationships. Right. And it's like, okay, how do I, how do I check in and make sure that I'm really exceeding in both areas or in all areas, because we've got a lot of different relationships. Um, as we start to kind of slowly wrap this up, what are your kind of thoughts on how to bring these people in this with you? So like we kind of talked about, like, here's what you do to balance these, these relationships and, and really try to, you know, if the relationship matters to you, find a way to have something to talk about with them or whatever. And you mentioned playing and, and that you've really put a big focus on that for the last six months, which I think is great. Um, but what's your advice when like, if there is some resistance or there is some resentment maybe with like a spouse or something, or maybe even just resentment with yourself for like, let's say you're a mom and you're like, I just want to spend more time with my kid. How do you deal with that? How do you start to bring these people more into this world, even though they may not necessarily be able to be a part of the business? Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking about friends that are, or our spouse, right? So our spouse who's not in our business or a partner or a child who's not in the business or our friends, I would say that I think that, that when we have a relationship, so not with our child, but with our spouse and with our friends, when we have a relationship that's more mutual and reciprocal, um, and it has the capacity to, to have a lot of reciprocity. So for me, there's a few like key factors in my social relationships, whether they're business relationships that we become friends or they're just social. And, and one of the key factors for me truly is reciprocity. And so, and what I mean by that is really being in a relationship with someone who's actually interested in what I'm doing. Like they want to hear about what I'm doing. They ask me like, so how's, how's business going? Or so that they're curious and they're interested. And it's not that easy to find people outside of this realm. I have a lot of coaching friends now in, in the, since I moved into the space, because we all are genuinely curious about each other's lives and business. And so I think that when we're talking about other friends that we've had, um, having, having sort of making sure that your relationship with this person has the necessary ingredients. And if we're talking about how do you bring people along, reciprocity would definitely be one of them where they are just, there is a back and forth. And I don't know about you or listeners, but I've had a lot of relationships in my life where I'm the driver of it. And it's easy oh, yeah. for me to do that because as a therapist, like I'm used to just listening to people and being a sounding board. 
But as I've gotten older, it's like, you know what, I just, I need more from my friendships because I don't want to be in that position like I am when I'm working, you know? So I do think reciprocity. And I think that it also may come down to having just some real honest conversations with friends. Like, you know, as I'm moving into this other stage of my life, whether it be marriage or parenthood or entrepreneurship, whenever we're moving into another stage of our life that's different from the one that we were established in our previous relationship, um, then I think having those hard conversations about what can this relationship look like and what do you need and what do I need and how can we sort of bridge that gap? And people will organically do this um, when they're moving from like one life stage to the next. So when people are graduating college and then they're going into the real world, some kids sort of still keep that college mentality while others have more of a business-like mentality. And, and you start to see probably the first disconnect for people in their like developmental life cycle trajectory. And then you start to see it again when, when people sort of get sort of deeper into their relationship or they become parents or whatever. So I really think though that it's, I would say to people, don't be afraid to have those conversations with your relationships because really our friendships and relationships should be more than just longevity. I'm not, I'm not opposed to having a friendship in my life because it's been there for 30 years, but it's not, but if it's not going to be mutually beneficial, I'm probably not going to put as much energy into that one as ones where there's like a high level of reciprocity. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much. Cause I'm immediately just thinking of like so many relationships where I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I needed more in that relationship. And I think a lot of the time, like you mentioned like the, the really long friendships and stuff. And it's like, I think a lot of times we feel really guilty because we're like, ah, I've had this friendship forever and I don't want to let go of it. And it's like, yeah, but is it really a friendship if they don't ever ask how you are, they couldn't even tell anybody what you do for a living. Like, mm -hmm. I mean that to me, that's not real friendship at its core. Uh, that's not a real relationship. That's just like a really surface level. You're more like colleagues almost. Yeah. Right um, acquaintances. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, I think there is an element as you were talking, I'm just like, there is an element to it of being somewhat selfish and it's not selfish, but we're going to, we're going to call it that, but of being somewhat selfish and saying, no, you know, I also need a sounding board. I also need somebody to care about what I do. I also need somebody to show an interest in me as much as I'm showing an interest in them. And, you know, especially with a marriage. Like, I think that's even that's, that one's kind of obvious, but to me, like my friendships, I think of them very similarly to the way I think of my spouse in terms of the energy that I'm showing up with, because I don't think it's ever 50, 50, right? I think you have to give a hundred percent and you hope that they're also giving a hundred percent. Right. And, you know, there will be seasons where that's just not possible for you and that's fine. But overall, it's like, do you honestly feel a hundred percent supported from this person? And if not, what kind of conversation do you have to have around that? Even if it's hard, or even if it doesn't feel necessarily super great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a couple of things about that. So one is, as I would say to people, don't be afraid to redefine uh, what a successful relationship is for you. Just like we like, don't be afraid to redefine what success is. So for me, success at 49 is different than success at 25. Yeah. And so we need to be able to not be afraid of redefining that. And the second thing is that when you're in a marriage, 
generally both people are invested in growing together, which is not the same foundational element in a friendship. Like we, we're not having a conversation like, yes, we're going to grow together, you know? And so it's much easier to grow apart when the couple or the, the pair, whether it's friendship, whatever it is, the dyad is not mutually invested in the growth together. And I think when we talk about relationships, that that, that needs to be a conversation and a mutual understanding that we are going to grow together because the default truly is growing apart because yeah. look at all the distractions we have in life. And then if you're running a business and then if you expand your family, there's so many reasons to grow apart. For sure. Yeah. And it's tough, right? It, you've got to be kind of laser focused on what is the goal. And I, I really like to look like within my own marriage of like, I have my goals, he has his goals, but then we have our goals, right? And our goals tend to take on like, I really care about his goals and he really cares about my goals. And I think when you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to have that, right? Like you have to be pointed in at least somewhat of the same direction. Otherwise it's like you said, it's so easy because there are so many distractions. There's so many other things you could be doing or caring about. There's so many other relationships that you could be pouring into. And so it gets difficult, but I think at the end of the day, like it's like you said, you've got to really kind of come together and say, no, we're really committed to growing together as a team. Otherwise, what do you really have? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Particularly when everybody's sort of operating in their own lane and there is no crossover, uh, whether you're business partners, you work with a team or with your spouse that, that when there's not enough, you know, you need just enough overlap so that you've got the common ground established. And so, and I think these are all things that, that we oftentimes don't know we need to think about until we start bumping up against a problem that arises around the issue. And that's fine. And then we're like, okay, you know, and I always say to people, you know, you don't need to fix something that's not broken yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you see something, you know, heading down the pipeline there, it's like, ah, you know what, I can see this is really going to be a challenge. And so we might want to start thinking about this and talking about it, putting it on our radar. Yeah, absolutely. Which is kind of full circle back to the limiting beliefs conversation, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. Love how that happens. <laughs> I love it. Full circle moment. I love it. Well, I am so excited for everybody to hear this because I know, like I said before, I just hear from so many entrepreneurs and friends of mine how tough it is to just maintain all of those different kinds of relationships and really be successful in business. So I'm very excited for our audience to get to hear all of your advice and your take on this. Um, before we wrap up, I always like to close with our rapid fire round, which is just some fun, little short, quick questions. Uh, so are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. What is one thing that you do every single day that makes you feel alive and on fire? Um, I walk out in my yard here and I, we have a quiet neighborhood. I hear the birds chirping. And so listening to the birds chirp, the ability to be somewhere I can hear them is really, makes me feel very alive. I love that. I do the same thing. I walk out on our patio <laughs> and I just sit and I'm like, uh -huh. ah, peace. This mm. is peace. <laughs> I love it. What is the last book or podcast that you loved? Oh gosh. Um, last book I loved is called the power of awareness by Neville Goddard. Highly Ooh. recommend it. I love that. I have not read that one. I'll have to check that out. Add that to my reading list. If you had $10,000 right now to invest in your business, 
how would you use it? Um, I would invest that heavily into different um, marketing strategists. Love it. Love it. Love it. At Females on Fire, as you know, we're very big on shouting out other women. So who is one woman, one woman that you would love to give a shout out to that you just think everybody should go follow? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I have to just say the first one that comes to mind who has been my business mentor for almost two years, and that's Jess Rose. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm a big fan of her as well. I know she's you are. Getting, she's been I'm getting a lot of shout outs lately. Different, but you know, like she is, she's kind of my person in the space. So I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. She's been getting a lot of shout outs lately on the show, which is Good. great for her. I love it. <laughs> Last rapid fire question. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Hmm. Um, best piece of advice I've been given, um, is, um, oh my gosh, there's so many, but I'll just say, um, be, um, be open-minded to the possibility and, and don't, don't make my decisions too prematurely on next steps. I love that. Yeah. I love I'm that. a, I'm sort of a, like, I want things done yesterday kind of person. So for yes. me, <laughs> it's really good advice. What? As an entrepreneur? No, <laughs> no. We're all, I think we're all that way. I think inherently all entrepreneurs are like, I want it done yesterday. I want to be successful 10 years ago. Let's get it over with. Um, I love that. That's fantastic. We'll tell everybody where they can find you. Where can they follow along? What are you working on right now? What do you have for them? Yeah. So uh, they can find me on Instagram, Carrie Cohen coaching. They can find me on LinkedIn. I'll give you that link for the show notes. Um, and right now I have some openings actually for some, uh, couples who are interested in doing some relationship work. You don't have to be married. Um, but I, that is what my openings are for right now is some couples who are interested in some relationship coaching, any kind of life stage events, any hurdles, navigating entrepreneurship, they work together, infertility, whatever it might be. That is my heart, my passion. And so, um, and I'll be creating some group of programs soon, but right now I've just got a couple of slots for one-on-one. I love it. And we will link all of that up in the show notes. So make sure you go check that out, connect with Carrie and reach out to her. If you're interested in uh, a little bit of work with you and your partner, Carrie, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your advice. I'm really excited about this episode. Cause I just, I love anything that dives into the personal development side of business. So I just appreciate you so much coming on and just sharing decades of wisdom that you have with our audience and, and just being so open and so transparent and willing to share. So thank you. Thanks Haley for having me. And I appreciate the space to have this discussion. I really, it's always so enriching to me. And that's a wrap head over to females on fire podcast.com to check out this episode's show notes, find fun bonuses or grab your females on fire merch. If you loved this episode, make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a review, and then share your favorite takeaway on Instagram and tag us at females on fire so we can repost you. Want more? Join us in the Firestarter Club, a monthly membership focused on helping you grow your business and your network. And tune back in every Wednesday and Friday for brand new episodes to keep you fired up for those big dreams.